and Palatial, Ultimate Sports Talk Radio Studios. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell, and welcome to the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. Better late than never. Sorry for the delay. We were having some technical difficulties going on around here. Tell you what, when you hit spring, I'll tell you, the weather seems to do nasty things to just everything that goes around along around in the uh, state of Ohio. Nonetheless, we are on for our regular Thursday night chat session here at ultimatesportstalk.com where we're going to sit back now and talk about the world of sports. And of course, you can always join us via the chat room here at ultimatesportstalk.com or you can also join us via the social media, which includes our email address, which is dmitch at ultimatesportstalk.com, or you can also send us a tweet, which, by the way, is at ohbbcohost, ohbbcohost. Well, the rain is outside. We've seen snow this week. We've seen rain. We've seen sunshine. I'll tell you, the weather, if you don't like it in Ohio, just wait five minutes. It's going to change. But nonetheless, this time of year always brings one thing, and that is WrestleMania. And, of course, this Sunday night is WrestleMania 30, and that's going to be the focus of our show here this evening. We're going to be talking about WrestleMania 30, and we're going to have a couple of guests that are going to help us do that. We're going to talk to Tim Corvin, who is the author of the book, Pioneers of Professional Wrestling. And it's a very interesting book. It goes all the way back to the 1800s and talks about professional wrestling. We're going to talk to Tim Corvin, the author of Pioneers of Professional Wrestling, from 1860 through, eight, uh, let's see here, 19, 1899. We're going to be talking to him about what happened in professional wrestling back then. That's going to be coming up here in about five minutes on tonight's show. Also, later on, we're going to be bringing into the show the hosts of the new radio show and co-owners of RopeToRope.com, Nick London and Malco Wallace. We're going to be talking to them about the WrestleMania 30 and, of course, the headline acts, which are going to be Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. Now, in that, Undertaker is going to look to continue his unbeaten streak at WrestleMania. Then, of course, John Cena will be taking on Bray Wyatt. Daniel Bryan will be wrestling against Triple H. And the winner of that will go into a triple threat match, which will be Randy Orton against Batista against the winner of Daniel Bryan and Triple H. And all that is coming up on tonight's show. But, first of all, what do we want to take a look at? Well, what do you think we're going to take a look at? It all started a couple of weeks ago on a Thursday afternoon with Ohio State taking on Dayton. And the first upset happened that afternoon when Dayton defeated the Ohio State Buckeyes. But the NCAA college basketball tournament now 
is down to the final four. And the final four will be Saturday night. And what is going on? Well, it is going to be Florida taking on Upstart Connecticut. That will be at around 6 o'clock. And then it's Wisconsin versus Kentucky. Kentucky, another upstart club. Only one number one seed has made it to the final four round, and that, Florida. They were number one for most of the year, and they were the number one seed entering the tournament, and they're the number one seed entering this final four matchup starting on Saturday night. Now, I actually had Florida and Louisville in my brackets uh, getting to the championship game and Louisville winning the championship game. Well, I'm close. At least uh, there is a team out of Kentucky that could possibly be in the championship game. But it is not Louisville. It's the Kentucky Wildcats, the upstart team of John Calipari. And they're going to be taking on Wisconsin in game two. Might as well try to re-predict what's going to happen in these two ball games. In the first one, Florida taking on Connecticut. I don't know how anybody could pick against Florida the way that they've been playing lately. But if there's a team that you can look at to beat Florida in this game, it would have to be the Huskies of Connecticut and their new head coach, Kevin Ollie, second-year head coach, taking over for Jim Calhoun. This team is doing some outstanding things. And I just don't know if they can continue doing it against Florida. Certainly, they are the last team to have beaten the Gators. That happened in December when Connecticut, in Madison Square Garden, where it seems like Connecticut just continues to win and win and win. It's like a, a second home floor to the Huskies. Beat Florida. And as I said, they were the last team to have beaten the Gators. 30 consecutive wins later, Florida will be taking on Connecticut with a chance to avenge that defeat. I think they'll do it. I think Florida is going to move into that championship game on Monday night. The second game has Wisconsin playing Kentucky. It's the first time Bo Ryan in his 66 years of of uh, being the not the head coach of Wisconsin, but being in college basketball will be in the Final Four. And they are going to be taking on Kentucky. Now, John Calipari's already won a national championship as head coach of the Wildcats. He did that three years ago when he had that fabulous freshman squad that ended up taking the national championship. But can they do the same thing as an upstart squad on Saturday night against a very experienced and bigger across-the-front-line Wisconsin Badger team. Trey Jackson, of course, the point guard of the Badgers. I think he's going to be a key in this game, along with Frank Kaminsky down low. I think Wisconsin ends up beating Kentucky in that game on Saturday night, and when they do that, then they'll move into the championship game against Florida, and I'm going to look at that championship contest and say it's going to have to be Florida beating Wisconsin in the championship to win this year's 2014 National Championship, the Florida Gators. I didn't think they could do it. I thought they could beat by Louisville, but since Louisville's out of it, i got to go with my second choice, and that would be 
the Florida Gators. All that's going to happen this weekend, Saturday, the Final Four, Monday night, the National Championship. But coming up before that, we've got WrestleMania 30 coming up on Sunday night, the 30th anniversary of Vince McMahon's brainchild. And we're going to welcome to our microphones and talk to the author of Pioneers of Professional Wrestling, Tim Corvin. Tim, thanks for joining us tonight on the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. How are you? Good, and thanks for having me on. It's a real privilege. Thank you for coming on, and we're also going to welcome to our microphones the owner of Ultimate Sports Talk, Greg Mitchell. He's going to join us this evening. He's our, I guess you could call it our wrestling aficionado. Greg, thanks for joining us tonight. <laughs> I think that's a loose uh, that's a loose title there. I think. Well, we'll, we'll try. Great to be on. Glad to have you on, Tim. You're the yeah. author of Pioneers of Professional Wrestling. Tell me, how yeah. did you get started writing this book? What was the impetus? Well, I've always enjoyed it as a hobby in my free time at night. I enjoy doing a little internet surfing, and I. Research and document old American history, but usually I like to look for the real obscure stuff that few people know about and they'll never read it in any history books. And, uh, personally, I've been a fan of professional wrestling my whole life. I can go, my member, I'm gonna date myself here, but I can tell you stories from the mid to late 1960s, you know. So, uh, and I've been working in the business off and on for the last 18 years or so for various small independent uh, promotions. So I've had a hand in the business and so, it's just my love for wrestling and my uh, hobby of collecting and documenting old history. It just kind of the natural, natural uh, project for me. Now, how many years does this book span? Uh, overall, it covers about 40 years. Uh, the earliest documented matches that I could find uh, professionally was like early 1860s, so it kind of started there. And uh, then I ended at the uh, end of the 19th century, 1899. Okay, so so tell me, Tim, 1860. Obviously, Vince uh -huh. McMahon wasn't born by that. So tell me, what was the, the origins of professional wrestling back then? Well, uh, as far as like my book, I have it divided into three sections. And the first section, I call it a quick history lesson. And that kind of brings the reader up to date. I kind of just a brief overview of the origins of early wrestling and how it developed into a professional sport and then kind of where it went from there. And... Uh, Really, I credit the election of Abraham Lincoln as president in 1860 is what really popularized it and turned it into a professional sport. They were always, you know, there's wrestling going on in the uh, in uh, the Civil War camps among the soldiers, and the lumberjacks would be rolling around out with sawdust and stuff like that. But as far as when it started becoming professional, uh, you have to understand Abe Lincoln had a very uh, successful uh, wrestling career early in his uh, in his life. He was known as quite a fierce grappler. And when he was running for president, it was very important for a politician like that to uh, be a man of bravery and someone who was fearless, you know. So while he was campaigning, of course, his wrestling background was often talked about and discussed and mentioned. And so and it's the fact that he was elected, uh, he took office in 1861, and that was like the earliest documented matches professional that I could find. I'm assuming that, uh, that that's, I give Lincoln as, as the uh, as presidential election credit for popularizing and making it a professional sport. Now, in this book, Tim, we're talking with Tim Corvin, the author of Pioneers of Professional Wrestling from 1860 to 1899. Tim, tell me, 
you you sit there and talk about 30 matte stars, and you've got 100 antique photos and more of what happened uh-huh. in the first 40 right. years of professional wrestling. How did you come across the matte stars, and how did you actually find these antique photos? Well, it was, again, it started off just one of these little uh, uh, evening projects. I'll, I'll document a little history, and then it just kind of took off. It started off kind of the seed that, that started it all. You have to understand that all the years that I've been a fan of wrestling and following it, yeah, I have researched its early history in the past, but I never knew of any professional wrestling going on prior to the early 20th century around the Frank Gosh, George Hackenschmidt era. You know, you never, I never heard of any, anything professional going on prior to that. And I was reading this article about a year ago, something totally unrelated, but there was a short blurb in there that mentioned this famous professional wrestling match that went on back in the 1880s. And that took me by surprise, and, you know, when I realized, like, whoa, wait a minute, that was going on back then, and so, and this mentioned the name of the two combatants, and I did a search on their names, and among the information I found were the names of several of their opponents, and so I just kept searching names of everybody I could find that was a professional wrestler prior to the 20th century, and it just kind of snowballed, you know, each night, you know, what I thought would be like a little one or two night project ends up going on for several months, and so I put this whole thing together, and I put in there every bit of information that I could find, and uh, that included all the, yeah, uh, I think I have about 115 pictures in there all together of uh, not just the wrestlers themselves, but uh, anything that I could find uh, that depicted wrestling at that time, uh, wrestling in art, and uh, the various lithographs that came out of magazines and old show posters and stuff like that. Anything I could find, I put it in there. Did these guys travel around like circus stars, Tim? Is that is that how they professed themselves to be professionals? Well, yeah, it did evolve out of the carnivals. Actually, that was a French tradition in the earlier 1800s where they would have, you know, strong men that would challenge for uh, big cash prizes, anybody who can last a certain, you know, 15 minutes with the champ or anybody who can beat the champ, you know. So, uh, uh, yeah, it came out of that, and just about every wrestling uh, pioneer that I profiled worked the the, the, uh, the circuses, the, the carnivals and such. And so, yeah, it did kind of evolve out of there, and, uh, and you have to understand, during this time, this was during the time of the American Industrial Revolution, and we had a major influx of immigrants coming to America. And so they brought with them, among their cultures and customs, were these different styles of wrestling that developed in different parts of the world. And the carnival wrestlers, you know, they had to prepare themselves for the worst kind of assault of these stuff they might have never seen or heard of before. And uh, so then that's when they started developing those hook holes to, to end those matches quickly and decisively, you know. <laughs> case they got in the air before it got out of hand. Yeah, and you talk about one, a, a pair of wrestlers here, uh, William Muldoon and I believe his name is Clarence Whistler, who once wrestled in a seven-plus-hour match. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that was uh, the longest documented match that I could find. Uh, those two guys, I mean, so many of these guys, you could equate them to today's wrestlers in a lot of ways. And uh, they were both Greco-Roman wrestlers, and the Greco-Roman masters were known for, they were, it was all upper body, so they were known for being quite brutal. They could become very bloody at times. And uh, so they were known for their duration. Greco-Roman matches, it wasn't all that uncommon for them to go on for two or three hours sometimes. But, yeah, those two, not only were they fierce competitors on the map, but they had a, a strong personal rivalry between them off the stage. And uh, so they had a total of three matches that all together lasted for over 14 hours, and one of them was seven hours and 15 minutes. 
And it's interesting because uh, you get an idea of that time period. Uh, I, I've been reading their stories about these matches that uh, they would be called off at 2 o'clock in the morning. It would call a draw because the lease on the dance hall expired and everybody had to clear out of there, you know. <laughs> so, so it's kind of interesting that the wrestling that was going on back then in the whole environment. Talking with Tim uh, Corbin, author of Pioneers of Professional here. Wrestling, Greg. As a big fan of uh, professional wrestling, one of the big pieces that I always hear about is that uh, there's no longer any creativity within the industry, that it's, it's basically a regurgitation of the same ideas and the same storylines over and over again. Uh, looking back all the way to, you know, essentially the beginning of uh, one of the biggest industries now today, uh, do, you st- do you see a lot of the same storylines and the, the same uh, concepts uh, from all the way back then that you would see today? Uh, well, you have to understand there was no uh, there was no showmanship really in that. I mean, yeah, there were personal rivalries and stuff like that, but there were nothing was worked back then really. Or, well, it, it's interesting too because uh, when we get into about the 1890s, as we're kind of closing out in this era, then you started seeing some of the matches, the legitimacy of the matches being called into question. And you started to see a little more sensationalism going on. So you can kind of see what direction it was going at that point. You know? So would you compare uh, the, the sport, I guess, back then more to uh, to the likes of the UFC or MMA, that the uh, mixed martial arts that you would see today? Well, right. yeah, if you want to know, well, if you want to get an idea of what wrestling was like, then yeah, you'd have to watch mixed martial arts more than uh, the professional wrestling. The professional wrestling that we know it today, uh, you know, of course, I, we all know that story, early 1920s, I think it was, with uh, the Gold Dust Trio, and, uh, you know, they, they turned it into a uh, uh, entertainment. That's when they started working matches out with uh, choreographed finishes and stuff like that. But uh, that, I'm sure that did happen. There were some matches that were called into question from time to time, but no, it was not, uh, uh, there, there was no entertainment play into it, you know, as far as anything imposed. Tim, while you were writing this book, what was one of the most fascinating things that you found out in doing your doing your research for this book? Well, early on, you know, they did not wrestle uh, in roped-off rings or caged uh, octagons or anything like that today. They, they primarily wrestled on mats that were on stages or on floors, but they, they generally wrestled in anything from... Uh, Small taverns and seedy bars to theaters and dance halls and the big matches, the big championship matches, they would go on in uh, small arenas where, uh, you know, you'd like, like the WrestleMania of that time would say to a sold out crowd of 2,000 people or 25. And of course, the human population was much smaller back then. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's what was going on then. It was kind of the whole atmosphere and the fact that, you know, no wrestler back then was under any kind of contract or they were not guaranteed any gate percentages. Everything was done back then on betting, and the wrestlers would bet with each other and bet with the opponents, and uh, and uh, of course the, mo- the more successful ones would have backers that would put the money on. But uh, yeah, the uh, they either made fortunes or went broke by their. There's an old saying you still hear it sometimes today when somebody comes up the loser and they say, uh, "Well, back to the coal mines for you," and that was meant in a literal sense back then. <laughs> kind of like what they do in Russia, sending you to Siberia. We're talking with Tim Corvin, the author of Pioneers of Professional Wrestling. Tim, how long have you been working on this? How long did it actually take you to research it and write this book? Oh, uh, probably about four or five months, and uh, probably about a month of uh, 
organizing it and putting it all together into the, into the format that I did. See, this isn't your your typical storybook with a long mm-hmm. story that has a beginning, middle, and end. This is more of a documented reference guide of, of this uh, sport of this era. You know, it's, uh, all the documentation I could find. I, as I say, I profiled over 30 different match stars and I listed all their mat information, their their, uh, uh, their documented uh, results, and a uh, little whatever bio- biographical information I could find on them. And, uh, and the photos and things like that. And uh, then the last section, it's all from newspaper clippings and anything. Uh, there's a uh, historian out there I give a lot of credit to, a man named Don Lutz, who did a lot of research with the old Brooklyn Eagle newspaper. And uh, so most of that is match results and uh, newspaper stuff from the northeastern state. And uh, But, uh, yeah, I put it all together and, and got it all organized and so forth. And so altogether, it was probably about a five- or six-month project before I uh, – before I ship it off to a publisher. Before we let you go, do you have any thoughts on a follow-up, uh, you know, doing something, picking it up in the 1900s and moving forward? Uh, well, you know, the reason why I did this is because pretty much most of uh, professional wrestling's uh, uh, history uh, in the 20th century has all been pretty much covered, you know. And, uh, and one of the things I think that really motivated me to make this a book was the fact that all of the major sports have had their early origins in history told and written about and movies have been made and so forth. But uh, this is something that uh, really hadn't been done before. It, it, uh, it, so I think what, I, what I, I'm still collecting a lot of information. And so I hope that in the future, maybe in a future edition, that I can uh, either make a volume two or expand this one. But yeah, as long as I continue to uh, make contact and collaborate with a lot of wonderful wrestling historians out there, I think there's still a lot more information to get. So I think I'm going to stick with this era, but just try to expand more on it. Well, it's something you can be proud of. The name of the book is Pioneers of Professional Wrestling, 1860 through 1899. Tim Corvin, where can they get the book? Well, if they would like to have a signed copy, and who knows, maybe my signature might be worth a few cents someday, but uh, I have a uh, Facebook page, a group page called Captain Cloud Productions. Cloud is in those white puppy things in the sky. So uh, if they go to Facebook, Captain Cloud Productions, there's a link there. And uh, if they buy that there for me directly, I'll, I'll give them a signed copy. Or if they don't care for a signed copy, they can also go to my publisher's webpage. That's uh, archwaypublishing.com. And up in the top right corner, there's a search. And I think if you just type the first name in Pioneers and search that, it'll take you to that link. And you could buy it directly from Archway Publishing. Well, Tim, outstanding book. It's a must-read for for those who are great fans of professional wrestling. Thanks for joining us tonight on Ultimate Sports Talk. Really appreciate it here this evening. Thank you. Okay, dude. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Tim. We really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Tim Corvid, the author of Pioneers of Professional Wrestling, 1860 through 1899. And, again, like he said, you can pick it up. On Facebook, he'll send you an autographed copy, and that Facebook page is Captain Cloud Productions. Just look that up on on Facebook. Greg, you've had an opportunity to uh, really look over the book. What are your thoughts of it just just initially? I know you've only had it for a few days. You know, I I love it. I think uh, it definitely covers a face of, um, you know, I I want to say quote-unquote professional wrestling because it's, uh, as Tim really alluded to, it's not professional wrestling as most fans would consider it today. Uh, it's more uh, athletic and sports based, uh, but it's a it's a tremendous tremendous uh, you know historical book 
on how everything started. It really covers some very feature uh, um, individuals that were key within the era. So it's an excellent, excellent uh, read. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, for those of you that uh, that may be listening to this show on the podcast, uh, we should have a full review article on our website at ultimatesportstalk.com uh, that you can check out uh, my thoughts and uh, overall review of the book, uh, as well as links to where you can go to purchase it uh, through Tim's website uh, on the Facebook page or through his publisher's site. So uh, highly recommend it. Definitely a good effort by him on uh, on a well-written book. Well, as I said, our theme for tonight's Ultimate Sports Talk show is WrestleMania 30. There's a lot of big, major matches going on this Sunday night for the 30th anniversary of Vince McMahon's brainchild. And we're going to bring in a pair of wrestling experts that I know Greg has been working with over the past few months, and we're honored to have them on tonight's show. Nick London and Malco Wallace. They're the co-owners of Rope to Rope dot com guys welcome to tonight's show how are you tonight i'm not doing too bad how are you doing just great glad to have you on tonight's show i understand you you've moved your show to a new new radio item too yeah we did we uh, just recently moved to 107.3 localfm.ca that's got to be a great thing for you guys you know what, bro? It's a, it's, a, it's a great thing. It's awesome. It's a wonderful experience. We've done very well. So it's nice to move to local you as well. Get fans all over the world. Still a, a top quality show on the internet. So yeah, we're pretty happy. I, I can't say as I blame you. Well, let, let's get right into WrestleMania 30 and talk about that. Greg is on the show tonight with us. Greg Mitchell, the owner of Ultimate Sports Talk. Dot com and he's going to be uh, talking to you guys also. Tell us, guys, what are your first impressions of what has gone on over the 30 years of WrestleMania? Tell us about, has it grown into, obviously it's grown into more than I think than Vince McMahon could have hoped for, but tell us about your favorite thoughts about WrestleMania throughout the years. Well, I would, that's a good question for one, and I'll tell you, I love WrestleMania, and <clears throat> everyone knows that. And when I saw WrestleMania 1, yes, it got better every single year, but I didn't think after WrestleMania 3 with Hogan and Andre it would ever be as big as it is today. I thought it couldn't have got That was as big as it ever would have gotten. Of course, you know, we were blessed with Hogan and the Warrior when they took off here in the Sky Dome in Canada. We were blessed with... Uh, Brett Nolan, uh, WrestleMania 10, not just to stick with Canadians here, but, you know, the Undertaker's streak. It's, are you kidding me, man? WrestleMania is the granddaddy of the ball, and there's a reason why it's the biggest wrestling show of the year, right? I I would agree with you. Wasn't Muhammad Ali the first first actual celebrity that Vince had on in WrestleMania 1? Yes, he was. Uh, Muhammad Ali... My goodness, they had Cindy Lauper, they had the Rockettes, they had, a, that was an incredible show, let me tell you. I watched it uh, two weeks ago with my son. My son is uh, eight years old, and we sat down and watched it, and he looked at me and he thought I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us, guys, what 
was Vince thinking when he put this together? Do you do you recall what what caused him to do it? What, why did he begin WrestleMania? Well, if memory serves me correct, and I know we've had someone tell us this story on this show, it was uh, Vince's idea of he needed to do something big. He had to come up with a concept. He wanted to take wrestling to new heights. And a lot of people know that when Vince actually went over to Turner Broadcasting back in 1983, 82, 83, and then their deal fell through, and I think it was, uh, I, w- I want to say it was the WCCW, but please don't. I actually know it was Georgia Championship Wrestling, I believe, that paid Vince a million dollars, which at the end of the day, I, me- I-, I remember this hearing this, and it was uh, that pretty much paid for Mania. And Vince had a concept, and it was a concept that was right, and at the time it needed to be done. But I don't think anyone thought it was going to be as big as it is today. Yeah, obviously, The Undertaker, with his streak going on here, going into WrestleMania 30, that's not something that they I don't think they, they actually planned. No, I say that all the time. All the time I say that. I don't think they did either. I think Vince went, whoa, wait a minute. He's 13-0 and 0 or 12-0. We got something here. And obviously... It didn't just become a match. It's become a uh, it's a special attraction. It's 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 its own main event in its own right. Before we yeah, get I mean, into uh, the, the know, matches here tonight, Greg, guys, and I would say it, it, in a lot of respects, it's it's uh, really the only uh, time that most fans who are who are hardcore uh, you know nineteen nineteen nineties fans remember uh, seeing uh, The Undertaker on a regular basis. That's the only time they get to see him throughout most of the year. Uh, he, he pretty well is off throughout the entire year, except for the one time at WrestleMania. Yeah, he was he was incredible. Like I said, uh, there isn't a match I don't remember The Undertaker in. You know, I'm a big geek for, for wrestling, I guess, especially knowledge in, in the business. And I'm a huge fan of E-20 Fox ask you this question. How much did the uh, defection of CM Punk hurt the plans of WrestleMania three months ago? Well, I don't know. I thought it hurt it a lot at first. And I, <clears throat> I definitely think it threw Vince off. I mean, I think that would throw anyone off if we remember back to when Stone Cold followed with Hope. That put a stick in the mud, too, back then. So, I'm sure it hurt, but I think there's a lot more on people know, and I uh, I have a pretty feeling here, hopefully, that I think you're going to see Punk show up at WrestleMania 30 in some shape, form, or fashion. I really do. Is, is he actually back in the WWE fold? Well, I, I, I don't know, but I think I think <laughs> he is. That's my own personal Yeah, opinion. I, I think <laughs> He's going to make an appearance. He's going to do something. I think he's going to be there. I think he's, I think, 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 I think,
do whatever they want. But, you know, there comes a time in life when you're just here. Yes, it was important to never walk away. You can take a few of the year was right around the corner. But, you know what, when, when you're tired and you know you just want to get out of there, you got to get out of there. He was burnt out. He's tired. His contract is up in July, but no one knows what was said behind that door. I mean, that could have been anything said. Well, I know Vince likes to have a major surprise always come up at WrestleMania, and maybe the return of CM Punk would be it. Well, I'd be pretty happy. I'm not going to lie. I, I like CM Punk. I do as well. I, I think he really is, you know, one of the best. One of The only match I still want to see is him and Daniel Bryan in a high-profile match, and I'm talking like a good, long, solid match. That would be probably that would probably be my next favorite thing to see since probably Brett and Sean, and I mean that. Guys, the first the first ever Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal is going on. So let let's go down some of these matches that are going to be at WrestleMania 30 on Sunday night and get your views of what's going to happen. Tell us about your thoughts about this Memorial Battle Royal. I personally I don't even care who wins it. I just think it's fantastic that they're actually doing this. They're I, I don't even know how to word it properly, to be honest. It's, it's just great that they're actually doing it, something like this that brings in the spirit of WrestleMania. Yeah, they're acknowledging one of the greatest men in professional wrestling, the biggest attraction. He was the eighth wonder of the world, my God. You know, even if it's just a storyline, I really don't care. It doesn't really bother me all that much. I think just the concept behind it. It's awesome, and I hope it goes far. I hope every year they say, you know, let's bring this back. I hope, you know, I'd like to see it be something in the future. I really would. I I loved Andre the Giant. He was a big part of WrestleMania. There's nothing anyone can say about that. Well, yeah, it gives them an opportunity to publicize Andre the Giant and have a memorial battle royal. But I think another thing it does, guys, and and maybe this is not their their primary thought, but it gives an opportunity for – the WWE to show off some of their second-tier wrestlers in this on WrestleMania at a primetime crowd. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, when I say by storyline mode, you're definitely right. It's not it's all the time. Look at Big E. I like Big E. Not a gigantic fan of him, but I like the guy. I think he's, he's good. But he doesn't have a match on the biggest showcase of them all, and he's champion at that. But, you know, good for him. He's thrown into the mix in the 30-man battle royal. At least he can say he performed at WrestleMania, which some people never get to say that. Like Melko. Yeah. Any predictions on who you guys think might win this thing? The Andre? No, you know what? I think it's going to come down to Big Show and someone else. Uh, I want to probably say it's going to come down to, like, an Alberto Del Rio or something. But I don't think Big Show is going to win. That's probably my only prediction. I don't think Big Show will win. It looks too obvious, right? It looks like they want to give it a Yeah, that's a good point. Another one is the uh, Vicky Guerrero Divas Championship International. I'll tell you, the Divas have really gained a lot of... uh, Notoriety, not just because of their looks, but because of the new Divas TV show that has really taken off. 
tell me about your thoughts on on this this matchup. Personally, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's just me being, you know, typical. <laughs> but I, I, I like it because you don't get to see enough actually women wrestling nowadays. And throwing them in a battle royal or, wait, what is this? That's right. Yeah, the battle royal for the title. I still think AJ Lee's going to pull it off, but that's, you know. Because you love AJ Lee. Yes, I do love AJ Lee. I'm not lying. I, I think... Uh, I think it's a good idea. I mean, again, I uh, I love the whole demon show. I watch the show. I I big fan of any of your ends, but I like the show. And uh, I'll be honest, I'd like to see a Canadian girl bring it home. What's up, Natalia? Are you sure it has something to do with her being Canadian? <laughs> yes. Not sure. Not for ten. Yes. I'm not sure. Hey, we're talking WrestleMania 30 tonight with Nick London and Malcolm Wallace of RopeToRope.com. They've always got opinions on what's going on, and of course, WrestleMania 30 is happening this Sunday. Hey, Kane and the New Age Outlaws are taking on The Shield. What's your thoughts on that matchup? I'm personally going for the Shield, but I, mean, I, like I have no. Are the other two? No, I, I like I like the Shield. I like the whole idea behind them, but I don't see them lasting very long, especially after WrestleMania this Sunday. He's just saying that because he looks like Dean Ambrose a little bit. I mean. Do you guys think that this is uh, this is basically the opportunity for Roman Reigns to get that that next big push? I mean, he he yeah. overperformed in in, in the uh, Royal Rumble, really made a, a standout name for himself. Uh, I, I think on a nas on an international scale for the first time. So, um, do you guys think that that's that's kind of where they're going with this? Is this where he's going to start to separate himself and go along the singles route? Yeah, that's exactly what this is. You, you can just tell by the last few months the way they've been pushing him more than the other two. The That mm-hmm. he's... After WrestleMania, I don't see the Shield being around much longer, and I don't see Dean Ambrose or Seth Rollins being in the main spotlight like Roman Reigns will be. Me neither. I agree. I agree 100% with Malco, but I also think had a lot of back on WrestleMania. Uh, Greg this morning, I was talking to Greg this morning, I watched Kane a few years ago in the one and only movie that he made, and now this morning I saw him on Smallville getting beat up by Clark Kent. I don't think I'll ever look at Kane the same again. I love that. Hold on, hold on, hold up now. Back up. 
have to truck up here. You, you didn't know that? He was on uh, Smallville? Yeah, a, a couple I, of them were. Batista was at one point as well. Really? Yep. You guys know did not know that until this morning. Oh, really? No, yeah, he, they, they all got their butt kicked by him. Are you serious? On Dead Series. I did not know that. There, there was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I opened up a can of worms here. <laughs> I usually know just about I mean, he was in this movie, or in this show, Smallville, he was in it, and, uh, yeah, he got got his butt kicked by Clark Kent, but that that's another story. Okay, we're going to hold off on the Undertaker-Brock Lesnar match until the very end, but, you know, are they putting John Cena against Bray Wyatt just to get John Cena in there for, for the 30th anniversary? No, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now. Okay. We're doing this because Bray Wyatt has definitely found what he's good at. He's found, you know, the husky hair is part of my language. There's nothing worse than, you know, bringing up an old gimmick, and I know it's terrible to do. But Bray Wyatt has found his spot. He's found something I think he'll make a legacy at. You know how Vince always, it takes two or three different tries to get it right. And this is it for Bray Wyatt. I think you're going to be looking at Bray Wyatt the same way you looked at Kane in 1997. It might look like he was just there for six months, but he's going to be there for a hell of a long time, boys. Don't do not think that this is going to be just a match thrown together to get seen in there. I'll be honest. I think you're going to see the same type of match you saw at the Royal Rumble with Daniel Bryan, where everyone thought it'll be mediocre, and Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan stole the show. And I get a feeling. Bray Wyatt and John Cena are going to be something magical this Sunday night. Mark my words. You know what, guys? When I uh, when, the more I watch the Wyatts and uh, the Wyatt family and this this entire storyline, my immediate thought has always been, man, this looks really familiar, and it and it looks familiar in a sense that I could definitely see if they wanted to go this route. Uh, Ministry of Darkness type of, of storyline. I don't think they've tried to tie that in together with Undertaker and the Wyatt family, but I could see that being a, a logical connection that they could make down the road if they wanted to bring uh, Undertaker back on a semi-regular basis. It would be definitely cool to see. I, I wouldn't pass that up, to be honest with you. That's pretty damn good creative work he just did there. He's probably applied for the WWE because <laughs> I, I have thought of that too. It would be so cool if he took a 1998-99 Undertaker, put him in there with Bray Wyatt, put the Undertaker in there with the high power, and that Bray Wyatt knows the other two goons doing his work. That'd be actually a pretty neat look at the stable. I like it. I know you do. I just love it. <laughs> the only thing that I... The only thing I question about it, though, is do you think that if Undertaker would get involved with the Wyatts, that it would overshadow the work they're trying to do to, to push Bray Wyatt so much? I don't think Vince would do it anyway. No, now. unless they did it very poorly, I think it would help boost him more. Mm-hmm. It could. It, it could. It could, yeah. but, but yeah. again, one wrong move, and yeah, it's completely garbage, and then everything's focused on the Undertaker again. If it were to happen. I just don't think, yeah. Right. I mean, he's trying to steal us with the game right now, but the new Black OG going on it. You kind of, you know, this is the 
Right. Well, and I guess to go back to the match itself, you know, uh, Dave, you asked the question, uh, is this an effort for WWE just to get John Cena in because it's WrestleMania 30? And and I think, uh, you know, Nick and Malcolm, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but all reports that I have heard, um, you know, for rumors for WrestleMania have always had this match in. Uh, So I think WWE creative all the way back a year ago, had always thought that this was going to be a match at WrestleMania. Um, there were some other matches that were rumored, but this one's the only one that I can recall that really stuck. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, go stop your I totally agree, 100%. Do you? I agree. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, the next match... The next match has a bearing on what's going to be the the final match, actually. Daniel Bryan and Triple H. They always manage to get Triple H into WrestleMania. He He's like Undertaker, only a younger version. Shows up once a year and gets a match. W- what are your thoughts about this one? Are they going to let Triple H lose this thing? I, I hope so. Because everyone has been looking for the Daniel Bryan push for the title especially since all the uh, debacle at the Rumble. But the reason, I don't understand why Triple H is going to match himself. I really do not understand that. They could have put someone else, a newer guy, in the Mm -hmm. ring with them. And they would have had probably just as good as match. But, of course, Triple H wants the spotlight. It is WrestleMania. I don't think it's the spotlight, though. I think it is. What it is, I think. (laughs) Cam Punk was original Daniel Bryan moves in against the other two, Randy Orton and Batista. What's your feelings on that that triple match? I think if Daniel Bryan goes into the main event, that uh, will be for I really do. I I like Daniel Bryan. I really hope that uh, if it comes down to it, I know Daniel Orton will have a fantastic match. Throw Batista in there, and there's your aggression. So it'll be good. So is my yes movement. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good match. Personally, I think Daniel Bryan's going to wind up there, and personally, I think you're going to see Bryan take it home. It's what's right. It's uh, definitely if you want to end, you want to end your biggest show of the year, but also the milestone behind it, the anniversary of WrestleMania, 30 years. You want to take it home in a massive way, and that to me would be a massive way. So. Well, that brings us down to The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. Of course, Undertaker with the the winning streak 
Have they figured out how they're going to use Brock Lesnar yet? No, I really don't think they know what they're doing with him. I think they're going day by day now. <laughs> okay, I want to give you guys this real quick. I like Brock Lesnar. I do. A lot of people think I don't like him. I do like Brock Lesnar. My issue with Brock Lesnar is that he came in, what, I think it was a week or two after WrestleMania 18. He wrestled 19 and 20. They acted like he was the biggest thing the industry had ever seen. He's gone all the way to WrestleMania 28 or 29. I think it was 28. And does a match, and then it's like he's the biggest thing ever. I think Brock Lesnar's going to stay around for a long time. I think that this whole UFC thing, I think this is just people trying to stir a pot, but who knows? I could be wrong, right? You, you don't really know. I mean, I think in the uh, WWE. You know, so you, I, I think one piece that I would add to that is that uh, they had a lot of difficulty in the original contracting with Brock Lesnar. Uh, and, and I think the the biggest com- component was that Brock Lesnar doesn't want to be an everyday guy. He wants to be one of the main main roster guys, but he doesn't want to be an everyday guy. He doesn't want to be on the road on a regular basis. He wants to, to uh, have plenty of downtime so that he doesn't get burned out uh, like he did with his initial run with WWE. Uh, so I think that's, that probably also leads to a lot of the difficulty is that if he's not going to be an everyday guy and we still need to keep him a main roster guy, uh, per the contract, we run into a lot of creativity problems. I think you're right. You do run into a lot. And I just, I don't, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't. And they say he signed a two-year deal, correct? Which I think is coming up. It's either coming to an end or this is only the first year of it. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like, what he, if he's not working like everyone else on a week-to-week basis, I just don't see the excitement behind it. Like, I, I am happy to see him when he does show up, but it's like, I don't, like Undertaker. You would never go and, like, you know, hey, he's wrestling for the heavyweight title. It doesn't really make much sense. The Rock did it, and he wrestled the Royal Rumble. He won the belt. You saw him like maybe twice from that point. Yeah. And it's just to me, it's not just the company, but it's because there. You're never there, you know, applying the back that makes people love you or hate you. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, just just a couple more questions, guys. Uh, Nick London and Malcolm Wallace. Our guests here tonight from RopeToRope.com. Just a couple more questions before we let you go and round out tonight's show. What storylines do you think are going to be coming out of uh, WrestleMania Sunday night? That's a tough one. It is a tough one because this is usually when they end, but you never know. Uh, yeah, but he's probably referring to the new one. All right. So, <laughs> you know what I think? I think you're going to see... Batista is going to fight probably whoever wins the title, which I think is going to be Daniel O'Brien. And I hope you see something to do with CM Punk. And but I mean, I'd like to see John Cena. <laughs> I'd like to see John Cena make that big heel transition. But that's a good question, man. And you know what? Uh, I guess that's the beauty of the industry. And you know, everything comes to an end at WrestleMania the next night. That's what makes it so damn exciting because you know that they're going to. I, I know that 
once WrestleMania's over, I'm definitely going to be following the Shield more because I want to see where they take Roman Reigns and the rest of them. Because mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be long. I like that. I agree 100%. What what could happen? I'm I'm just going to throw this out to you guys for a quick answer. What could happen at this year's WrestleMania that would, in your eyes, make it a complete success? All right, Malcolm's going to get mad at me, uh, but if you want to make it a complete success <laughs> when the Undertaker beats Brock Lesnar, I got two of them. I got two. I'll be real quick with you. The Undertaker wins the match, stings up in the rafters, pointing down with a bat, and that sets up for next year's WrestleMania. The second thing is he gets to that ring and he rips the shirt off and he starts beating the holy hell out of someone who pisses him off. That's my second. No, go, go ahead. Hurry up. I, I'm just going to go with the same one. I like that one. And I we, we've been hoping for that one for a while, but it's not going to happen. Don't push it. <laughs> That's it. As for Hulk Hogan, I, yeah, I got nothing on him. <laughs> All right, last question, guys. And this is the most important question to everyone. This is the question that's on the lips of all wrestle, wrestling fans out there. Is the Divas show going to continue after this year? Oh, yes. Hands down it will because it has so <laughs> many people interested in it now. Uh, Nick's got a funny look on his face. Well, I, 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 I hope so. Like, it's a pretty good show, but, I mean, you got to keep in mind, guys. And, you know, I, I will plug this right now because I'm a huge fan of the WWE Network. Obviously, Legend House is going to be on. That's going to probably take all my attention away because the idea of them Hall of Fame, yeah, but total, total Divas, people are going to want to see it because people love the Divas, especially behind the scenes doing their own thing. So it'll, it'll be around. Hey, in all well, seriousness, I, I do have, have one more. Say here, uh, you know, real quick, uh, I know we're running short on time, but for me, uh, this show, the Ultimate Sports Talk Show, has really evolved over the last few months, and and uh, we've had some really big guests over the last the latest few weeks, even. Um, but but this show, for me as a fan, it has been probably my favorite show uh, because you know you guys know we've been working together now for a couple of years uh, promoting each other's work. And uh, to see the work that you guys have done to, to move forward with Local FM and uh, to continue to enhance your mobile application and the website and uh, just just the, the tremendous work that you guys are doing. Um, for, as a fan and, uh, and as an affiliate of you guys, I really, really appreciate the time. Uh, this has been phenomenal for me personally. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, I've got one I've got one more serious question for you. And and this one is a serious question. There's been talk over the last month about Raw leaving USA. Do you guys have any inside knowledge on what's going on with those negotiations? I haven't heard a thing personally, but Nicholas Lee's got something to say. Well, are you making reference to the word that WWE may be up for sale? Is that what you're making reference to? No, they were talking about uh, they were talking about leaving USA and going into negotiations with some other networks for Monday Night Raw, and um, I, I thought the negotiations were su- supposed to close on March 31st, but I I hadn't heard anything as of yet. You're making reference to NBC. Universal yes. Studios, and yes, you are. Yeah. Well, the most I can tell you is that 
last time that I suggested through my sources was that that was actually a no-go. They did not reach a deal. Now, as far as WWE leaving the U.S. had to be within their best interest not to, but yes, there has been some acknowledgement of it. Obviously, you know, they, they were trying to work with sci-fi. They so, but as far as USA, I'd like to think that wouldn't happen, but I was told that everything failed on the renewal term when it came back to the NBCU, so... Hopefully they'll fix what's right. I don't think that's not the popular answer, but WWE is pretty smart, and they know that their flagship program is USA, but that's not to say they'll stay there. Obviously, we've seen the move to Spike, and I did hear rumors that Vince would put a program on Spike, but only if they took off TNA, and I don't know if you guys know what TNA is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I kid. I kid. I'm just kidding. But anyway, <laughs> Well, maybe they'll replace the Kardashians. You never know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Anything could replace the Kardashians. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks a lot. Nick London, Malcolm Wallace, co-owners of RopeToRope.com. Thanks for joining us tonight. Really appreciated it with your thoughts and looks back at WrestleMania and Sunday night's WrestleMania 30. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks a lot, man. And uh, we'll talk soon, and maybe we can do this on our show. Oh, would love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Take care. You too. Nick London, okay. Malco Wallace, co-owners of RopeToRope.com. Greg, a lot of great information out of those guys tonight. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I as I as I mentioned, you know, this has been a big moment for me personally. Uh, I really love the work that those guys do. Uh, I was really honored to uh, to be approached by them to work together over the last couple of years and uh you know I think they uh they kind of separate themselves from the rest of the groups out there um you know a lot of shows exist on on websites like blog talk radio uh and and it's mostly people that have no experience just trying to get on and and uh hear themselves talk but uh these guys have really put a lot of passion and hard work into uh into building up a brand and uh they they've done a great job getting on high profile guests onto their show and really networking with um a lot of high profile individuals in the industry so i'm I'm totally impressed by everything they have to say um great wrestlemania thirty coverage this has been a great show. It, yeah, it has been. And I appreciate you coming on and, and helping out tonight, Greg. I appreciate that a lot. And we're going to wind down, and I'll let you go now. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. Thanks. That's going to do it for our show here tonight, everyone. Of course, our thanks to everyone who has been on the show tonight. Our first guest, Tim Corbett, author of the book Pioneers of Professional Wrestling. Again, you can pick up his book at Captain Cloud Productions. 
That's on Facebook. All you got to do is just go on to Facebook and look up Captain Cloud Productions, and you can pick up a copy of his book, and he'll autograph it for you and send it to you. And then also, our guests here that just left, the co-owners of RopeToRope.com, Nick London and Malco Wallace talking about WrestleMania 30. So that's going to do it for us tonight. Don't forget Ohio Baseball Weekly with Mark Donahue and I coming up Monday night at 9 o'clock. It's been an interesting opening week for the Cincinnati Reds and the Cleveland Indians, and Mark and I will talk about it Monday night at 9 o'clock on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. We've gone over just a little bit tonight because of technical difficulties. We got on a little bit, but nonetheless, hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Our thanks to Greg Mitchell, our producer, but most of all, our thanks to you for listening. I'm Dave Mitchell. We'll be back again next Thursday night with another edition of the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. Until then, have a good weekend, everybody. Good night. Good night.